0: Tim Kawakami, the editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area. Jim Kawakami. Tim Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over
1: two decades, and more specifically, the Golden State Warriors over the last 12 years. This is the TK Show. Hey everybody. Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording from the home studio. I kind of threw this one together last minute because I just realized I've been recording all these other shows on the TK Show uh, feed on Odyssey. 49ers north and south i was like i haven't done the actually the tk show which i should be doing so i'm very grateful that my guest uh was available uh he is uh, one of my best guests i will say that I, i don't try to say that in front of everybody but always always good to have conversations with dave fleming giants broadcaster he is fan broadcaster probably has added seven or eight different things masters broadcaster i don't even know what he does these days uh dave how you doing today thanks for coming on Never a lack of things for us to talk about, ever, <laughs> sure, ever. Like I have stuff down here that we never get to. They, I got, I'm going to bring it up this time, but we, of course we got to get to Giants. It is a fascinating time for them. Uh, kind of, you know, maybe a relaunch, kind of a, new, a reset for the Farhan Zaidi era. Uh, he gets a new extension, obviously fired Gabe Kapler, hired Bob Melvin, but there definitely seems to be a sense that they are going into this offseason, which is already happening right now you know, determined to get some players determined to either sign some guys who make a difference trade for some guys, Dave, do you feel that from them? Like this is a tangible, they are going to end up with some guys that people have heard of.
0: For sure. I think this is uh and I think it could happen pretty fast. I do. Um, this week, we could have some big Giants. <laughs> we are recording this uh, on
1: Tuesday afternoon, <laughs> Tuesday midday. If it happens Tuesday afternoon, if it happens Tuesday night, we will not post until tomorrow morning. Just know that Dave Fleming was kind of uh, anticipating it. Just l- uh, record that.
0: I, you know, and a lot of this is up to the player. Like the timeline doesn't always fit the the team. You know, a lot of these free agency things have now become, and I, I don't blame the players for making them like this, but it's a, you know, it's a sales job, it's a courtship, it's not just a contract negotiation. So some of this is out of the Giants' control. But I think they are, they're not only in, they're in hard on the biggest names. So that doesn't guarantee success. We've seen it over and over again where the Giants come up short on some of these big players for lots of different reasons um, and and different reasons player to player but they are in hard on the biggest names. I Actually, I think yesterday when I saw the Sonny Gray, again, you and I are talking on Tuesday, when the Sonny Gray news popped up, like to me, that's a very Giants-like contract. And Sonny Gray is a guy that the Giants know well, that uh, you know, Mike Kostremski has a good relationship with. There are lots of people in the Giants organization that know Sonny Gray. I think he was a good fit in some ways, and the Giants just were not going to block themselves off from one of these bigger deals by making a preemptive deal for him. And I, I don't know that for a fact, but that was my read of that was like, huh, that would have been a good contract fit for the Giants, but it's too early. They can't, they have to, they've prioritized a certain number of these players and they have to see those through.
1: Yeah, Gray was three for 75. I thought the same thing. They could have done that, right? They could have done three for 75. They can do three for 75 for various other players. Obviously, some of these guys are going to come in for way more than that. Well, let's just throw out the big names. Shohei Otani, uh, Blake Snell. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Those guys, Dave, those are the guys they're in They're in right now?
0: They're in on Otani for sure. They're in on Yamamoto for sure. Uh, and I would guess pure speculation. I'm not in on the phone calls or anything, but my guess is those are the top two and everything else sort of cascades from those two. And I think everybody wants some resolution on both of those players just because of the ramifications for who else you can go after. I I think the the center fielder from Korea Lee is a player that's securely on the Giants radar uh, and he might fit in a different way. Like I, I think a deal with him could happen simultaneously even before, and I'm not saying him specifically, but a, sort of a player like that. Uh, but I think Otani and Yamamoto won two, probably in that order, but not a hundred percent for sure in that order. I think those are the, the top line priorities right away. And there's massive competition for both and the chances of, of landing even one of them is not, you know, the percentage chances just aren't great, but they're going hard after both of them.
1: That, I mean, I've heard people in the organization say that they thought they felt really good about the Otani talks back when he was up last time. They think there's a shot at him. Bob Melvin as a manager probably helps them. I don't know what degree. Do you think there is optimism? I mean, again, we're not saying it's going to happen or they think it's going to happen, but as we get closer to whenever this deal is going to be done, maybe next week by the, you know, they're having the the winter meetings um, in Nashville. Do you think as this moves, they're feeling this still?
0: I do. I think the the biggest challenge for the, I think there's a lot of comfort fits with Otani here. He liked San Francisco. He liked the organization. He liked Buster Posey and the championship pedigree. I, I guarantee you, Melvin is an asset you know melvin had a really good relationship with you darvish and my understanding is you has sort of become the elder statesman of the the japanese players who are currently the active players and i think you has a big in- uh, otani could be in a separate category but i think for a guy like yamamoto darvish is a mentor somebody that they would call and say hey what do you think about this team or this guy and i think bob melvin and you, Darvish, got along very well. Bob got some of the best out of Darvish that he's ever given at the big league level. So I think that's an asset for the Giants that that w- whether that translates to Otani, I'm not sure. The biggest hurdle is pretty obvious, and it's just convincing Otani that the championship run is primed, that that he is sort of the last piece and you can make a run at a championship. And part of that might be the pitch pitch. Might have to include another player or two. Like this isn't just you. We're going after somebody else also, which obviously would be a a, you know huge commitment from the Giants if they're going to do Otani plus another one of these high level free agents. But I think that's kind of has to be the pitch to him.
1: I agree, man. You, I'm getting more. I'm always glad to talk to you, David. I was feeling there was could be things coming with the Giants. You're making me even more. You know. Please that i'm talking to you now we'll see what happens but uh, i do feel this at least that you know the want to the will from the giants yeah you you talk about sunny gray maybe that's a deal they can't do while they're looking at other things but also if they're going to bring someone else in and they know couple package would could they do a matt chapman deal right now and say okay that's going to work either way but it really could help us get to the next guys, you know, a Chapman or Reese Hoskins, whatever, whatever that level of player. They're not that, you know, they're probably going to get more than three for 75, but they're not getting 400. Um, Are there some names there that you've circled? Like, yeah, that would be the guy they could get them. And it's great. Obviously it doesn't fix everything, but that might be the stepping stone to somebody else.
0: Yeah. I think both those guys actually that you named are good fits for lots of reasons. Hoskins, big Giants fan. I mean, I used to go into Philadelphia and I'd be standing around batting practice and he would come up to me like, you know, he'd be like, Hey Dave, how's it going? How, how's, uh, how's a uh, He's not here. Huh? Like he, I mean, he's, he is a Giants fan. Um, a great guy, great reputation, just not a great defensive fit. I mean, I think the Giants are determined to make their defense a priority and that's where Chapman is such a good fit, you know, comfort with Melvin comfort with Matt Williams, Uh, and still excellent defense at third. Not the number one roster fit, like it's not the Giants' biggest need, but if you're looking for a couple sort of everyday anchor players, Chapman fits that bill. So, yeah, I think Chapman, that's kind of what I was talking about with the Korean center fielder Lee, is that you could almost – that could be a different bucket. You could make a deal and then still be in the mix for Otani or Yamamoto, who to me are the two – Those are the two on the highest level. Those are going to be the two biggest contracts this offseason, and those two are in – Otani's in a category of his own, but Yamamoto's not as far behind as as everybody thinks. Giants have been on Yamamoto for years, Mm -hmm. and they have a really good – Giants matched the Mets basically for Senga last year. I mean, the Giants' money offer I think was exactly the same or very close to it, and Senga grew up watching Verlander and Scherzer, and (laughs) I think that was the tiebreaker. He wanted to go – pitch for him, Of course, now pitch with them. And of course, now they're, they're not teammates anymore, but I think that was the tiebreaker. And I think the giants are in you, you, I think the term you like to use is deal flow. Mm-hmm. They've been in it with Yamamoto. You know, you can't, I, I don't know what the tampering rules are with players who are playing in Japan, but, uh, they, they've been in the mix for him, interested in him for a long time.
1: Now, obviously, we're talking about some major, major expenditures if this happens, and we know they were ready to pay Korea three fifty, uh, but the, they didn't. Obviously, that deal did not happen at the end, and they did not come into last season, the one that just ended, with a very high payroll and a little bit of a you know pullback. And then Greg Johnson at the introductory presser for for Bob Melvin throws out that hey, you know what, you want to be somewhat break even, and Giants fans were alarmed. I understood it that there is a, it, there's not a conflict there if you pay a lot of money and you win and you fill that ballpark, right? That's You do have to spend money to make money at some point. You cannot fill Oracle with a middling team as we've seen the last few years. How did you read that comment from Greg Johnson?
0: I, I read it the same way you did. I mean, I think, and I think my read on it was also that if you look ahead even one more year, the Giants payroll obligations really open up. So, you know, you got one or two more years of a lot of these kind of veteran deals that are locked in, whether it's on the pitching side or whatever. And so I think, you know, for me, I read it as Greg saying something like, you know, we could for a year, if we went over or even well over the threshold for the right player and then it reset the next year and we sort of went forward with a new core, I, you know, I think that's more palatable than these teams have become the repeater teams where you're losing draft picks, you're getting fined. I mean, that, that it does become a burden. I mean, the system is set up to try to discourage that from a competitive standpoint. And I think that's where, you know, the idea that you just, hey, I'm a billionaire and I'm writing big checks every single year. It makes it harder to run a healthy organization. So I think for me, the, Greg was saying something along the lines of, hey, look, for a year, if we blew through the ceiling uh, to get the right guy we can do that we're we're okay doing that we just don't want to make that our year after year model and i think actually the current giants contract setup is is sort of lined up to do that if the right they're not going to do that just for run of the mill players yep. and there's no reason to but if it's otani if it's yamamoto if it's one of those kind of players i think they they'd be willing to
1: and you got to do for the right players yeah they have they can't just do it for you know you couldn't do it you don't have to say this but you can't do it for carlos redone you can't you can't do it uh and they didn't do it and maybe they should have done it for gossman with some of the same worries right it's like if you extend yourself for that kind of money and it doesn't work out and you're not the yankees and even now the yankees are watching dollars the dodgers are watching dollars then you're kind of stuck and you end up in, in a place where you don't want to be. And then the giants are not in that place. They haven't won, but they're not in that place. We haven't talked since the, the, the Gabe Kapler firing and the Bob Melvin hiring. Uh, I don't think you were surprised by that, but um the the way it happened, the the things they described it uh, you know, that uh, you know, as it happened. Anything strike you about that going from Gabe Kapler to Bob, who was obviously very close to Farhan, I'm sure still is, as far as Farhan said, like it was Gabe kind of comforting him when he would call him the office to tell him that he was being dismissed uh, to the move to Bob Melvin, a guy we all know, also obviously deep ties to Farhan Zaidi. Um, what strikes you about that whole process?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, look, personally, I was sad how it all happened and and sad, not weeping sad, but just <laughs> Uh, like Gabe was really good to us. Gabe was a good person to work with for all of us. He tried his tail off like that coaching staff worked harder than any I've ever been around. And maybe sometimes to their detriment, like uh, in a weird way that might've been a negative in the end. Um, Just the sort of the tone that was set uh, in the clubhouse maybe needed to be a little different. I think the, this change would not have happened if the last month hadn't been so disappointing. It wasn't that the giants came up short, in my opinion, it was the way that those last few weeks played out the road trip to Colorado and Arizona, where despite some ups and downs and struggles and all you, you you were right there with a chance to just play well for a a long weekend. And, and, maybe be that team that was in i mean the diamondbacks barely finished ahead of the giants a couple of those games get flipped and it's the giants who are in that last spot and just it wasn't just losing those games it was the way they lost them it really i'm not saying this cuz i know how hard those players work day to day but it it had the feeling of a group that had kind of checked out and that's a bad it's a bad look it's a bad feel it, really discouraged, it was discouraging for everybody around the team. And I think that just triggered the, the, the need to do something a little more dramatic than, hey, we're going to maybe think about a coaching change, or I think it just required something a little more drastic. So uh, can't get a better fit than Bob Melvin. And I think that's part of what happened, too, was he was available. Everybody knew he was available. This whole charade of, hey, we're keeping him. You know, everybody knew that. Uh, if there was a team that wanted to hire Bob, he was available and he's a great fit for the Giants. He really
1: is. Is there going to be a different kind of Farhan Zaidi? I mean, he mentioned it, like he's, you know, in some of his discussions, He, you know, things have to be done differently. Maybe, you know, he didn't say this exactly, but I think the implication is strong that get away from some of the strict adherence to certain analytical, you know, mandates, not Obviously not all of them. And I don't even think most of them, but like they're going to start Sean. And if he was on, you know, it was on the team last season last season. you start them. You don't have them come in the second inning. Just simply as that, just flip that instead of having to do an opener, doing an opener three times a week, just not happening. I'm not saying it's surface stuff, but I'm saying it's like, you know, kind of the way you uh, you know express yourself to fans this is the team that we have it isn't going to be in a way that's a little funky to look at How, do you think there might be a different feel to the giants or is it going to be more around the edges this I,
0: I, farhan said one thing that i thought was really interesting and i it was almost along the lines of i'm not going to get his words
1: exactly right but
0: it was almost along the lines of maybe a little more creative tension between the manager's office, and the front office. And I think in a weird way, there was too much uh, synchronicity between Gabe and Farhan. They saw the game so similarly. Uh, One thing about Farhan that I think gets totally misconstrued is he is not a meddler. He is not one of the – you know, you hear these stories of these uh, GMs and team presidents who are coming down after the game and telling a manager who's in the lineup the next day and this guy – that, that is not Farhan at all. He wants the manager to have autonomy. I've seen it over and over. That is not how he operates. But I do think it can be healthy if that manager and the president or GM or whoever have some disagreements on how to run the roster and the team. I think that can be a good thing. And I think that's what I took away from maybe how things are going to be different. Like Bob is going to have a strong voice and his voice will sound different than Farhan's and I think everybody's okay with that
1: all right we always have to say uh, we want to talk about this issue I'll move quickly to this it's been quite a newsy a little uh, season for the Michigan football coach who you and I both have history with who we both know fairly well any of that shock you any of this the science stealing scandal Michigan going on and winning games with him suspended what happens for it to him now, uh, what's your feel from just this wild Michigan football season?
0: I wish I had a better feel for what's gonna happen going forward. I mean, my gut tells me Jim's gonna be somewhere else. Uh, and I you know, I think he's been, he's done an awesome job. How can you deny? The results at Michigan are astonishing. Uh, you know, especially when you think back a few years ago and and people were cranky with him and he wasn't beating Ohio State. Uh, I mean, that program hasn't been like this for decades. Uh, You know, is there something to a pro coach coming to college with all these rules? And, you know, frankly, a lot of them are just petty rules. Some of them are some of them are are we're going to look back 10 years from now and go, really, that's what everybody was upset about. Seriously. You know, I think about Reggie Bush and how up in arms people were. And you think back to how sort of innocent that was now, considering everything that's going on in college sports. I think part of this Michigan thing with some time is we're going to, we're going to look back on that and think, ah, that wasn't that big of a deal. But I think when one of your staff members is being accused of hacking into the university system and changing grades, like that, that is, that is not a, that's a serious allegation. So some of this stuff, is a lot more serious, and if you just line it all up, it's a long list of stuff. Whether Jim knew about it all or not, or any of it or not, ultimately you are the head coach. Um, so my guess is that probably uh, he may just decide, "Hey, I can go back to the NFL and and do that again."
1: We'll yeah. see. He's been interested in the last few years. I mean, he hasn't really wanted to explain it, but you know, Minnesota recently and Denver just last year, I think there was like, he was going to take that job if it was, if it was offered to him. Um, and you we'll can see. imagine like, you
0: know, the bears would be an obvious fit uh, with Caleb Williams, probably coming there. If they get the number one pick uh, the, the chargers, you know, uh, <laughs> is, is ties to, to California and Justin Herbert being there like, If he's going to go, I would think he wants a spot with a quarterback, and those two teams would fit the bill.
1: No question, quarterback. No question. And, you know, owners are a little afraid of him. I think the Vikings owner got afraid of him. That's what happened. Like, he went, oh, my God, he fought with Trent Baalke and Jed York. It's like, that's kind of known, but kind of like – as yeah, you talk about tension, I kind of like coaches who are stand for themselves and, and don't just bow. You don't want the guy who is just going to say yes, sir, no, sir. That's not me, too.
0: Yeah. You see it up close and personal. I mean, look, Kyle and John are really close and they're buddies, and and John, you know, they're they're tied at the hip, but they're not in agreement on everything, no. No. not at all. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's a to me that's served the forty ers very well
1: have strong personalities who can work together, but also push each other. That's, that's what you want. Smart personalities. Yeah. All right. I want to get you out of here. This was a short, short notice, but you've been kind enough to talk to me for this long. We have to finish it with a version of the question I asked everybody. I haven't, I haven't pre- told you what I'm going to ask you. So I'll just, you always come up with good books, David, you are Mr. Good book recommendation. I'm going to throw it out. Let's see if you can keep up the street. Oh, Dave Fleming what's your favorite book right now <laughs> ah, <laughs> well so, you know.
0: I, I you're never good. you're I you just but, but one thing about me is I throw these things out you don't read any of them
1: I can't I uh, try to I yeah. try to and I'm like I can Fleming got me again with this book yeah so yeah. give me one well I'm not gonna tell you what to do but I might be able to read this one hopefully in the future well I've
0: tackled the I've started the one you know Wolf Hall it's the mm-hmm. series oh, yeah. of three. It's so long and so dense. I it, There's something about these books, though, that are that have a different voice, a different sort of narration style that I'm attracted to. Did you read the one? I might have even mentioned it to you called Hamnet by
1: Maggie O'Farrell. No, I've heard, I think I've heard this. Yeah, go ahead. Now, that one is a yeah. lot more
0: accessible because mm-hmm. it's just shorter and easier to get through. A, to me, a work of genius. Like, put that one on your list. That's... This one is similar in sort of its. It's just a different way to use language, but it's just so long. We'll see if I can wow. make it through. it. I, I'm enjoying the, it. Uh, I've read those, long. and
1: you and ha- you can't. I'm. I am yeah. happy about yeah. that. By the way, yeah, they're a little tough. Yeah, they're all in yeah. like second person or whatever it is. Like it's a little bit you you pulled away from it, and it does kind of meander, but it's really interesting stuff. It's it's good stuff. Uh, but I'm I'm smiling now because Dave Fleming has got a book now that I've <laughs> read, enjoyed, and you're having a tough time because usually the stuff he recommends for me is really good stuff, and I have a hard time getting through it. So I put that ahead.
0: put Hamnet on your list. Yeah, I, I thought last year it was the best book I read all year. I've heard it a was, lot of people say that it was it was great. Historical
1: but uh, sh- historical fiction kind of thing. Historical
0: yeah. fiction. Shakespeare's yeah. son was named Hamnet, okay. and. He well, I won't spoil the ending, but uh, <laughs> the plague, the plague was around. So it's like a, oh, sort of a por- <laughs> it was sort of a portrait of uh of, you know, England in that time. And it, it just t- to me, it captured the very best of like historical fiction, where it just puts you there and takes you to a place where you don't think about very much. It was extremely well done.
1: I think Myers might have mentioned that one, by the way, because those guys, Kerr and Myers, they're like historical fiction guys so uh that's not a ter- i think that's where i've heard about it i am going to read it and i'm not going to ruin the ending but there's plague was out there not that i'm gonna ruin- <laughs> well i mean it's, it's it,
0: it, it everybody knows what, well not everybody but it's it's a fact what happened to shakespeare's family so okay. uh,
1: <laughs> i love it i love it there you no go. i'm gonna read that i'm gonna read it yeah. i'm gonna come back to you and say i got through it i'm, I'm so happy you're definitely gonna get it. you'll fly through that one that okay. one's
0: it's awesome fantastic
1: Dave. well thanks so much great conversation as always uh, good to have you on the new iteration of my podcast and i finally got another tk show up there uh, very very glad uh, dave thanks so much
0: let's see if we get some jane's news we'll see Whew.
1: well we're teasing it out thanks so much <laughs> see ya that's the show for today everybody